0: I'm T.L., and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together, right here on Outside the Walls. On last week's episode, we had a great conversation with Joe and Anna Heschmeyer about the importance, but also the primacy of prayer. Not only is prayer important, but it also needs to be the first thing that we do And the conversation revolved around letting prayer form us and shape our reactions and our responses to the people and the situations that surround us every day. That's an important conversation to kind of lead into what we're talking about today. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back to our archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com and listen to that as soon as this episode is finished. Today, we're going to take a step back, uh, looking at that same topic, but to look at it more broadly. Uh, not just at the reactions uh, of those things that come up in front of us immediately, uh, but those things that loom a little bit larger than whether someone cuts us off in traffic. Uh, specifically, as I've uh, kind of been planning on this show, I- I've been thinking about a couple of things. Uh, one, I work in parish ministry, and uh, and so I'm currently involved in a parish that's looking to re-up our strategic pastoral plan uh, to reformulate the the way that we as a parish form disciples and do that as a community, and so part of that is to look at that that need and that necessity for our current context and our place in time. And there's a lot of different methods and and uh, people out there who are selling you their their book or their process from where they went uh, from being your average parish to being a parish that really is involved in evangelization and making disciples. Uh, and so it would be really easy, and it is easy for a lot of uh, organizations and parishes, to look at the, the practices that have worked for someone else and to just merely try and implement programs rather than taking a step back, recognizing the primacy of prayer and letting prayer drive that, that disciple-making path. So that's the first thing I want to look at. I also am really interested, as we are approaching, as a universal church, uh, the Summit on Sexual Abuse that's coming up in the Vatican, I think, next week. And uh, my cousin, who we've talked about here several times, who currently is um, the administrator for the Diocese of Shreveport, he wrote a a wonderful blog post—I'm going to put it up on our social media— talking about the recent— bishop's uh, prayer retreat that Pope Francis encouraged them to be a part of, uh, back when this whole thing first uh, came to light again. And there was uh, really an uproar from the media, as, as well there should have been. There there should have been uh, the lay people like you and I rising up in frustration. And, and that was well expressed, I think. But there was the, the immediate reaction and the desire to come up with some concrete ways to fix it. And and of course, you and I and the media were also really asking our bishops to do that. Uh, And so there was a lot of pressure on them to do that. But Pope Francis came in and, and I think took the better path and said, let's stop, let's take a step back, and let's realize that before we can really respond, before we can really implement anything large scale, we need to step back and realize that we are not the reformers, right? The Holy Spirit is constantly seeking to renew his church. And we can partner with the Holy Spirit and create something lasting and something that that makes saints. Or we can respond out of our own flesh and out of our own understanding and do things that might in the short term uh, be a patch, but don't really fix the heart of the matter They kind of give us a nice little glossy veneer rather than bringing the true restoration and healing uh, and and renewal that the church so desperately needs at all times and in all places. So, today I want to circle back around and revisit this idea uh, of examining the importance and the primacy of prayer informing us so that we can make proper response to the world around us. Now, this is going to be a little bit broader conversation. Uh, than we had last week, but going in that same general direction. In the brevity this week, and and uh, I think in next into next week as well, there's a lot of emphasis around the proverbs, uh, specifically this this personification, this anthropomorphization of wisdom. You know, wisdom cries aloud from her roof, uh, and calls out to the simple and says, gain understanding, and and I think that that ties in really closely with what we're talking about here with the primacy of prayer because the way that we gain wisdom is by going to the source of wisdom the way that we gain wisdom is by first acknowledging that we are the simple and this is a really good time for us to do that as we're approaching the season of lent as we look at our own brokenness as we look at our own lack and the, the our shortcomings and to come before Christ who gave himself up for us, who sacrificed himself for us, and to say in front of him during this penitential season, as we're approaching this penitential season of Lent, and saying, I need the understanding that only you can give. I need to respond uh, in a way that reflects your wisdom, that reflects your generosity, that reflects your goodness. And I need to respond in a way that both in the little things that that I face every day and in the larger things that face me uh, and face the church, I need to respond in a way that reflects who you are, Lord God, and not in a way that reflects uh, my own fallen humanity. So today we're going to be talking about the primacy of prayer, specifically as it relates to movements of renewal, whether that's renewal of our personal spiritual life or whether that is renewal for the whole church, This always, and and by necessity, starts with prayer, with the humility that recognizes that we can't do it on our own, that turns to the only one who can do it and asks him for his mercy. Let's do that together this week, praying for mercy for our whole church and that he would come and manifest himself to our bishops, giving direction and wisdom to his whole church through their meeting this coming week. We're going to have a conversation when we come back with Tim Glenkowski. He's the president and founder of La Alto Catholic Institute, an organization that partners with parishes to help them create a path to renewal. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. There's much more to come right after this, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Today, we are talking with Tim Glimkowski, president and founder of the Alto Catholic Institute. That's L-A-L-T-O-Catholic.com. Uh, it's an organization that started out pretty small, but they have uh, branches now all over the U.S. that help go into parishes, partner with parishes and dioceses, and help them work uh, with Missionary Discipleship. Tim, thanks for joining us again. No, it's great to be here. Yeah, I hope you guys are holding up all right with the, uh, all the snow out there. We are. So, you know, last time we talked, um, it was just, it was, you were La Alto. And, uh, and since then, you've kind of exploded. Like every, every couple of weeks, there's a new uh, announcement on, on Facebook that there's an, a, a satellite location of La Alto Catholic Institute. Tell us a little bit about that growth.
1: Yeah, so I founded LaLto in January 2017. Uh, and I was based outside of the western suburbs of Chicago. And our heart has always been for local renewal being led by local leaders. So me and a, a few friends kind of got together and, and, uh, you know, had some ways that we could partner, like you said, with diocese and parishes to help them form disciples, because this, this is a big question everyone's asking, right? It's like, okay, I'm being told by this conference and that book that I need to go and lead renewal in our parish, form disciples, we've been failing at this, right? Uh, and But they're not really sure how, you know, it's like, well, where do we start? How do we, you know, kind of those like hard skills almost of of actually um, leading renewal. So some consulting, we do some spiritual uh, and leadership formation, some dynamic parish missions, stuff like that. Um, But really quickly, you know, by about uh, a year after we had started, uh, I was then working full time for LALTO because our mission had grown so much in the Chicagoland area. And we started to get just like a little bit of, uh, you know, it was like someone wrote an article about us and then, you know, we we're on maybe relevant radio or something, you know, there's like a few things that kind of got our name kicked up into the Catholic, uh, you know, online sphere. And um, I started to hear from people, started to contact us saying like, hey, what you're doing, this is what I have a heart for. Um, I'm really passionate about watching parishes be renewed, the new evangelization forming disciples. How do, like How do I bring this mission here? Uh, and so it's been kind of amazing to watch. Now, yeah, we're operating eight regional programs around the country, um, where again it's local leaders who are um, who are leading renewal by walking with parishes, accompanying them, is the word we use, through a process of renewal uh, in their area, and then more besides, spiritual formation, like we said, talks and stuff like that. So it's been kind of kind of wild to see. You know, it wasn't exactly what we started out expecting to do, but it's been. Um, once once we started hearing from people, we were like, well, that's kind of what we're doing here. It wouldn't be so hard to to teach you how to do it there. So uh, it's been kind of wild to watch, just a, a kind of a testimony to, I think, God's grace more than anything.
0: Well, So there's always this, uh, and I think that y'all have passed this test really well. There's always this tendency to say, ooh, I don't know if y'all are going to do it the way that we do it, and I want to protect the vision, and I want to make sure that we're, we stay uh, true to who we are. And so people sometimes will do that and protect that vision at the expense of not growing. There's a an inherent uh, maybe need to control the vision that God's given. And you all have kind of said, okay, well, we're going to do our best to to shape you and form you, but this is God's vision. And so you've been really um, maybe exemplified a spirit of detachment, even with with what you are as an organization, as you bring on more and more people to come and be kind of the, the face of La Alto in these various locations.
1: Yeah, I hope so. You know, there is, there's always that, uh, a detachment is definitely something that we strive for. I, I really have recently been reflecting a lot on the virtue of, um, like humility and how like humility is just so crucial for letting God actually work. Um, and, and that, that humility, I feel like that kind of the heart of it is almost, it's not just thinking terribly about yourself, you know what I mean? I'm the worst and God could never use me, but it's just kind of this like, all right, Lord, whatever you want, you know, blow it up tomorrow, uh, like lead us in whatever direction you want us to go. And uh, I think that has allowed us to invite other people into the mission. And I think we're just confident that we can, um, you know, train them for lack of a better word and inform them in, in how, to, how to work within some of the principles, because that's that's part of our vision throughout, you know, that we've always, is like renewal in a parish is not, you know, one, two, three, here you go. It's right. it's kind of, it's really, it begins with asking the Lord, you know, like, what do you, how are you going to lead renewal here? Um, there are some key principles that I think can operate. Um, but if we were just coming in and saying, well, here's, you do this program and then that program and then that program, you'll be forming disciples tomorrow. Um, you know, it would necessarily even need these area directors, but because right. we have more of this vision for what really is going to drive renewal is, is is people being able to walk in your context with your specific parish and its history and strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. It, it, it The only way that that could have moved forward in other parts of the country and, and kind of kept the value that we want to bring to parishes is by local people doing it. It's kind of predicated on that that yeah. possibility.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this because you brought up there are a lot of conferences out there that deal with Parish Renewal. We're also going to talk here today a little bit about personal renewal. Uh, there are books and programs that you can read that say, hey, if you follow these steps, you're going to experience renewal in your life and, and make it seem pretty easy. There are programs you can implement in the parish. There are disciplines you can implement uh, at home. And yet uh, there's something more than that. Uh, there, there has to be, because we are subjective people, we're not objects, we're subjects, and so we're not a one size fits all we're not uh interchangeable cogs that that things just work for we we have to have some personal connection this this connection through i believe through prayer uh before that that precedes any kind of renewal whether it be on the parish level or whether it be on the individual level for sure absolutely so let's talk what what would you say um, how would you approach this prayer? Uh, and what difference have you seen perhaps between someone who has utilized prayer as that primary thing, the go-to thing, and an organization that, that just blazes forward to try and uh, maybe pull themselves up by their own bootstraps?
1: Yeah, I think it's funny. I don't know. It's it was it's one of the earliest heresies, right? Like one of the great temptations for the church is always toward Pelagianism, right? Which is this idea that it's my efforts alone that can sanctify myself. I can purify, perfect, and become a saint, uh, like through my own efforts. Um, and then even there's a further heresy, right? Semi-Pelagianism, which is like this idea that, um, sure, maybe God perfects me, but the first instinct toward conversion or to move toward God could still be by my own volition or willpower you know, Catholic theology, kind of repudiated that a long time ago, right? Augustine is kind of the great enemy in in many ways of Pelagianism. And I think it's because of his own personal experience of, of desiring even uh, sanctity and holiness at a certain, you know, level while still being so rooted and mired in, in his own, um, you know, sinfulness. And I think that's definitely my, been my personal experience as well is that like without God's grace, it's just, it's none of this is possible. And so I think, um, you know, as we're talking about kind of the intersection of, of personal and and parish renewal and church renewal, the new evangelization and kind of where that all fits in, there can be a temptation toward Pelagianism, even in our structure sometimes where we think, yeah, if I just, if I just tweak this program or if I just implement the perfect strategy uh, at our parish, we have that strategic plan and it's 50 pages and it's got documents and, you know, and images and all that stuff. Like, then, like, that's really the new evangelization. And, and what I would say is, like, that stuff's crucially important. We failed far too often at actually doing that stuff. But if it doesn't start with prayer, if, if God isn't leading it through His grace, like, we're not going to get anywhere. Because at the end of the day, what this is about, real renewal comes through forming disciples. And I don't make a single disciple, a parish doesn't make a single disciple. God, the Holy Spirit, makes disciples. Uh, uh, working through his grace, because it's, it's the grace, it's it grace that leads to the grace of initial conversion. Um, and so I think that's, in, in terms of parish renewal, like that, that larger conversation, and I think, to be honest with you, most of, when I look at most of the renewal initiatives out there that I respect the most, they have a strong sense for that, of really leading with God's grace is, is primary, um, and is really the one that's, the Holy Spirit does this work. Um, we just open up to allow him to do
0: that you know when i think of this idea of personal and 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 larger prayer uh, rather larger um renewal I, this the picture that comes to my mind is that of of saint francis and we know that that story where he heard the the crucifix speak to him and say uh, francis rise go see my churches in ruins uh, rise and rebuild but i think that we miss the fact that the reason that the crucifix that he was in a place to even hear the crucifix uh, to hear the voice of God through that, that San Damiano cross was that he had made a habit of going to this chapel to meditate on that, cru- that crucifix, to pray. And how many days did that occur? How what What was the practice of that prayer where he sat in that place praying over and over before he ever heard that call? And that call, of course, revolutionized his personal spiritual life, but it also revolutionized the church at large, but it started with daily and weekly and, and who knows how long that prayer of, uh, of surrender of here. I am in your midst. I come to do your will.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, in a lot of ways, um, like, like we don't even realize this sometimes, right? We think of Paul as kind of another great missional archetype, you know, Mm -hmm. And, um, but if you read the gospels, like first it's this experience of blinding and crippling, which even opens him up to conversion, this being kind of knocked down on the road to Damascus, right? Not off his horse, but down, you know? Right. Uh, And, uh, but then like, there's a, a part of the apostles where it talks about, like he goes out into the desert and, and receives formation, Jesus going the desert for, for for years, right? That Paul is out there and Jesus three years, he goes away for three years. Right. And, and we think, you know, and so this is since I've been, since I was in college, I've had this desire to do things for God. Like, been this thing that, that burns in my heart. Like, I, I just want to see renewal in the church and in the world. And I can tell you, like, you know, over the last 10 years, more than anything, what I've watched God do and even prepare me for this small mission that we have with Lalto La is very much so. I've been a process of purifying and stripping you know, like it's, it's really in the, the, there's this great analogy of the dark room, right. With, uh, with photography that you go in there to be developed. Um, and I think we do sometimes we want to do stuff out there so quickly that we don't take the time to allow the Lord to really like strip us and purify us. And, uh, cause that, that's when he can work, right. He can work with us once we've been, uh, broken open so that grace can actually flow through us.
0: Oh, my god, you know, we would so much rather that God would, uh, that He would use us as we are, right? God, I I come to you. I give you all that I am. Can you just take me like I am right now and and use me for, for your glory? Uh, we we don't like that process of um, of waiting, of silence and prayer, and most certainly not of of being humbled and made into a, a fitting vessel for the the work of God.
1: Right. So it's no, it's no accident, right? That St. Therese is the the church's patron saint of evangelization and missions, right? Like the, the, we're, the, there's an instructive point in there for us that honestly, like, even if God never, if that interiority, it should always like strive to become mission, but in her case never became outward mission. Um, but the church is trying to teach us something there. Like this is where, this is where prophets train. This is where they're formed. Uh, but it's also like, that's the vehicle for, for renewal is that personal. I, and I, I just think, honestly, at the end of the day, even us, you know, I don't know if a lot of people that listen to your show are in ministry or anything like that, but I think part of it is at the end of the day, God cares a lot more about who we become than what we do for him. Like, I just am very convicted of that fact. Like, uh, even, even a lot of stuff that I've seen in the last couple years, so many things, I'm like, I feel like you're just trying to teach me something with this. You know, it's like, you almost, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost asking him sometimes, like, do you even care what happens to La Alto Catholic uh, Institute, or are you just trying to get me to heaven? You know, like, uh, but I think there is, we have to keep that in that proper order. It's like, before God ever wants to use you, he wants to love you, uh, and he wants you to love him back with a pure heart.
0: We're talking today with Tim Glenkowski, president and founder of La Alto Catholic Institute, Go to laltocatholic.com, L-A-L-T-O, catholic.com and find out how you can partner with them to bring renewal to your parish. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash Walls, On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much more to come in this conversation right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Welcome back to outside the walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host T L today we're talking about renewal that that call that we all have individually and communally uh, to to grow in a relationship with christ that here's the thing this is not a one and done uh, relationship where yeah. hey, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I'm good to go. No, this is an ongoing walk with Christ, just like his disciples. Three years, everywhere he went, they went. Everything he did, they did. Everything he ate, they ate. And every time he fasted, guess what? They did too. Uh, this is an ongoing relationship with Christ, both individually and as a church and communally. And today, as we're talking about that, specifically regarding the primacy of prayer and renewal, that we have to start that relationship and that renewal with conversation, with conversation with Christ, with God uh, through prayer. We're talking today with Tim Glimkowski. He's the president and founder of L'Alto Catholic Institute based out of beautiful Denver, Colorado. Tim, thanks for joining us today.
1: No, it's great to be here.
0: So we, in the last segment, we were talking quite a bit about uh, personal renewal and the need for uh, humility, the need for recognizing that, that it has to be uh, a God-ordained event. It's not something we can just do on our own, pull up our bootstraps, read the next self-help book, help book and pull it off on our own, uh, that there's got to be that ongoing give and take with the Holy Spirit. But this uh, this is the same thing on a larger scale with the church. Uh, the church is called the Bride of Christ. We are told by Paul that we are members of one another. And so in some way, the church is, yes, part institution, but there's also this part of the church that's uh, that's organic and really the, the body of Christ, the, uh, the bride of Christ, the, some kind of micro or, or rather uh, uh, some kind of organism that really mimics our own person and humanity. Uh, it's a, a unique organization in the world and it requires this really intense prayer before we get into renewal with it as well. So talk a little bit about your experience working with parishes uh, that, have recognized the need for things to change in their corporate church life and the steps that you have taken them through to get there.
1: Yeah, so kind of our thing with uh, Laltoc Catholic Institute, like our vision is um, in order to renew the church, we have to renew parishes. And in order to renew parishes, we have to form disciples. Um, and I think a lot of people are aware, increasingly aware, even uh, in our, in our, you know, cultural moment of the need for renewal in the church. And um, what we're really careful about when we walk with parishes, because they do parishes get in touch with us and they say, we want this kind of, this renewal to happen here. We want to be more effective at forming disciples. So where do we start? You know what I mean? It's like, what program, what do we like? And the very first thing we do, it's like, we're going to talk about all that. You know what I mean? We're going to get to the the actual, the nuts and bolts of, of leading renewal and what that looks like. But the very first thing we're going to do when we work with your parish is we're going to start an intercessory prayer initiative. Because uh, at the end of the day, our battle is not against flesh and blood. You know what I mean? Just like a slightly better strategy isn't going to renew our parish if we're not fighting the spiritual battle first, if we're not begging for, like there's in some almost mysterious way, God has um, allowed us to be co-workers in this, in this process of, of other salvation, to actually participate in the mission of his church. Uh, you know, Christ has no hands but yours. But at the end of the day, like, that's going to happen through prayer. It's going to happen through grace. And like, by, really, it begins, I think, by begging the Lord for renewal. You know, I look at the Archdiocese of Detroit, and they're doing this Unleash the Gospel initiative, and I love what they started with. It wasn't just um, the first thing that the archbishop did wasn't to send out his big letter, which came later. In 2017. But I think it was like as far back as 2015, the very first thing they did is they called for a year of prayer. Uh, And like every parish, every weekend, every mass, they were praying for renewal in the diocese. I think that's a great place to start. I actually remember I was talking to a pastor one time done some kind of amazing projects in his parish uh, in terms of, of, of bringing about renewal and really with a specific emphasis on like they felt like their mission was to exist for the community and so um, they had done some cool things related to that I won't get into all the details and stuff but so I asked him I was like how did you do that like what was what was step one and he said you know for a year I preached about the fact that we as a church didn't exist for ourselves, but we existed for our neighbors. And that entire year we had people praying and fasting that people would be able to catch the vision for that. And then we started, you know, they had some capital campaign projects. He said, we started asking for money. We started making changes in the parish. He said, you wouldn't believe the momentum. It's like I felt that in my ministry when I'm acting from my own efforts and like the, it's, I'm not praying enough. And it is, it's that's when you get tired and you get burned out. And uh, it's really, so. I think this prayer, like beginning with prayer, beginning with an intercessory prayer as the vehicle for renewal, because at the end of the day, we're trying to help people see with new eyes, like see a new vision for what the local parish can be uh, for both the people who are there and the people in the community. And that, that light of faith is itself a grace. Like faith is a theological virtue that's a gift that's given to us. So I think it's crucial.
0: We're talking with Tim Glemkowski, founder of La Alto Catholic Institute. I love this, this picture. Of, you mentioned a couple of times that there's the year of prayer leading up to this renewal. And of course we look at that and we're like, Oh my gosh, I've got to spend a whole year before I see anything. But <clears throat> the other thing is that with that year of prayer, you know, I, I can, I can work up a good week, right? I can, I can figure out what I need to pray for and I can push through and muscle through uh, a, a week of really good, put together theologically solid prayer. But once you get into week two and week five and week 30, all of a sudden you realize that even our prayer has to be infused with the presence and the grace of God. One, to know what to pray for, two, to keep praying. And this it brings us to a place of humility, even in that prayer, recognizing that I don't even know what to, once you're 30 weeks in, I don't even really know what I need to pray for. I don't even really know where to go from here And prayer can, at that length of time, can start to get uncomfortable. And that's, I think, where we have hit the breakthrough, where we can begin actually being effective in the things we do. Because when we recognize that even our prayer efforts are not our own efforts, but it's God joining us in that place, uh, that brings, I think, with it some incredible humility.
1: Yeah, so like Pentecost, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, you know, in Acts 1, before he ascends into heaven— They ask him, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, And he answers them, telling them not, you know, when he will do it, but how. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls on you. And so they're like, great, this is like, you know, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen through them, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what they do is they go and they do the first novena with the Blessed Mother. They pray for nine days and then the Holy Spirit falls and then boom, they shoot out of the, the upper room and like 2,000 people are baptized that day because Peter preaches the first homily and it's, and it's filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit and fire, right? Like not just... Not just, you know, they don't just shoot out of the upper room and say, great, here's our pastoral plan, you know? <laughs> um, so I think, I think that's like a missing link sometimes. So here'd be, here's what I would say to your listeners, right? They're at their parish. They are passionate about renewal. They want to see their parish renew, renewed, but they're not in charge. You know what I mean? Like they're not, right. they'll be all the decisions of their parish. So here's what I would say. For the next 12 months, once a month, together in the church for an hour, and, with a, and invite uh, as many people in your parish as want to come as possible and ask the Lord to bring renewal to your parish and ask him to show you how he would like you to participate in it. I think too many times it's like, okay, we're going to bring about renewal. We're the lay people. We're going to form an evangelization committee and we're going to get together and we're going to talk about what we're going to do. It's like, no, go pray about it. Ask the Lord what he's showing you to do, who he's showing you to reach. Who is he giving you a heart for? Or do it in someone's home. They're like, gather around a meal and just beg the Lord for the vision, the sight to see where he's calling you and the, the, the changed heart, the new, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Like right? it literally says at Pentecost, they are, they're cut to the heart. Their hearts are circumcised and opened up to actually see like where the Lord is calling them. Ask him for that. I don't know. And then see where it goes. You know what I mean? Consecrate it to our lady and then, and then do something about it. You know, if we're going to build this new Catholic culture, we have to start doing stuff, but that does have to also begin in prayer.
0: Well, and, and, something else that happens when we do that and we, we go and we approach God in prayer and we say, God, show me the thing that I need to do. We generally will have this big idea, this big picture of, okay, we need to completely turn things around. And it could be that through prayer, God says, I want you to go talk to that one person after mass, right? You are like, okay, God, can't you give me something difficult? Well, apparently that's difficult enough because you're not doing it, right? Because, <laughs> so God gives us little things, little steps uh, in some ways, just to show how much he is actually the one doing the renewal and the motion.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think there is a there's a childishness in that, or a, like a, you know, in a sense that we're when you can start to rely on your father to take care of you. Uh, there's a really beautiful. That's when it's like spiritual, and I love a um, who uh, works for Alpha Catholic. Um, it says sometimes about Alpha. Alpha is uniquely designed to fail if God does not show up. Um, But I think sometimes, like, for me, I act like an orphan. You know what I mean? It's like I act like God is not my father and he's not going to show up. And so I have to do it on my own. I I wish I could say about all of my efforts that they were uniquely uh, designed to fail if God did not show up. I wish I trusted him enough to actually actually say
0: that. Mm -hmm. Well, and... You know, I think we have this idea that we have a bet Midler God, right? <clears throat> in a di- from a distance, God is watching us, right? Uh, you know, I, we expect that God is going to do miraculous things for someone else, right? And so this idea that, that God wants to be invested in relationship with us and that if we will take the time to be silent and really uncomfortably <laughs> silent in prayer, that God is going to come and speak with us, uh, and, and I think that maybe that's part of the reason we don't want to pray. Maybe that's part of the reason that we uh, are uncomfortable with those long periods of silence, because all we hear is ourselves and we don't, we're don't we not comfortable with that kind of silence. And yet that's where God comes and meets with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And where he comes and meets with us and then where he comes and changes us. Like, I think everybody I meet who has taken some steps in the spiritual life, uh, there's this second conversion that happens at some point. Spiritual conversion is one of enthusiasm and fire and I'm I'm going to do everything I can to make myself a saint and at some point there becomes this step in the process where God begins to actually say like, no, like my grace is going to break down your notions even of what this is. Uh, and it's going to be uncertain waters. And that, and that's where you're actually going to start to be formed. He, tra- There's that uh, image of the interior castle from Teresa of Avila of God kind of progressively transforming us back into his likeness, you know, divinization, like God became men, man, so that man might become God. And I think, You know, that's that's the the logic right of the of renewal in the church always is that it's been the saints who are really the agents of renewal, you know, uh, become who you were uh, meant to be and you will set the world on fire, like operating in you, like fully as you were created to be by God, like transformed by his grace. You know, Mother Teresa or John Paul II were not just compelling because of their natural gifts their personality. But because when, like people said, when you met John Paul and he looked at you, like you could just see, like, it's like he's almost looking into my soul. Like there's just something qualitatively different about the saints that makes them the great agents of renewal because it's like these are the masterpieces of God. Like he's he's done something, some great work in this person, and now they can bring that to others.
0: I think there's a tendency when we hear names like St. John Paul II or St. Mother Teresa or St. Teresa of Avila, we're like, well, yeah, of course, they're spiritual giants uh, of course, God's going to use them uh, to to interact with the world and to change the world. Uh, but I think that we have this this idea that if I'm ever going to be a saint, it's not that kind of saint. And yet that's the kind of saint that God is calling us all to be. And we get there through relationship. We get there through these times of prayer where we get to know God and and he forms us into the saint he wants us to be. We've been talking today with Tim Glomkowski, founder and president of Laalto Catholic Institute. Go take a look at their work over at la L-A-L-T-O, catholic.com. There's more to this conversation available to those who support the show through Patreon. Go to outsidethewalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the walls. There's more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Had a great conversation today with Tim Glimkowski, president and founder of La Alto Catholic Institute, L-A-L-T-O, catholic.com. Go take a look at the work that they do there. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. There's more to my conversation with Tim Glimkowski available to all of those who support the show through Patreon Each and every week, as a gift of our gratitude, we like to give uh, an extra segment, 10 to 15 minutes, a couple of extra questions with our guests, diving deeper into the topic for uh, gratitude and thanks to those who keep us on the air, and you can be the beneficiary of those extra segments for as little as $5 a month. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Support the Show Patreon link, and join their numbers today. Let's turn our attention now to our readings from Scripture and Church History, We've been talking about the importance and the primacy of prayer, uh, specifically in regards today to the move of the Spirit, whether that be renewal in our personal spiritual life, whether that be the way that God wants to renew his whole church. This always comes as a result of prayer, that we dedicate ourselves to finding the will of God and to putting ourselves in line with that will, to look beyond our own initial reactions to recognize our own weaknesses, and to say, here, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Uh, in the first segment, I talked a little bit about the the readings in the breviary that are just spending a lot of time focusing on this anthropomorphization of wisdom. And so we're going to read a little bit out of that today, uh, out of the, the Proverbs chapter 3. My son, forget not my teaching. Keep in mind my commands. For many days and years of life and peace they will bring to you. Let not kindness and fidelity leave you. Bind them around your neck. Then will you win favor and good esteem before God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. On your own intelligence rely not. In all your ways be mindful of him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will mean health for your flesh and vigor for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with first fruits of all your produce. Then will your barns be filled with grain. With new wine your vats will overflow. The discipline of the Lord, my son, disdain not. Spurn not his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves and he chastises the son he favors. Happy the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than profit in silver, and better than gold is her revenue. She is more precious than corals, and none of your choice possessions can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who grasp her, and he is happy who holds her fast. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth, established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the depths break open, and the clouds drop down dew. That reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, and how important it is for us to look at this in light of the spiritual life, that the things that we most long for start as we approach in humility and recognize, I don't have this on my own. I am not wise in my own eyes. I recognize my need for the Lord's ways to be my ways, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and on your own intelligence, rely not. Recognizing that The things that might make sense to me, the things that might immediately be logical in their response are not necessarily the things that God is calling us to do. They're not necessarily the ways that God is calling us to move. We have to start with prayer, recognizing that God's ways are high above our own ways and he may call us to do something that seems counterintuitive. So be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Today's reading from Church History comes from uh, an excerpt on the Treatise on the Psalms by St. Hilary of Portier. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. Notice that when Scripture speaks of the fear of the Lord, it does not leave the phrase in isolation, as if it were a complete summary of faith. No, many things are added to it or are presupposed by it. From these we may learn its meaning and excellence. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon tells us, if you cry out for wisdom and raise your voice for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. We see here the difficult journey we must undertake before we can arrive at the fear of the Lord. We must begin by crying out for wisdom. We must hand over to our intellect the duty of making every decision. We must look for wisdom and search for it. Then we must understand the fear of the Lord. Fear is not to be taken in the sense that common usage gives it. Fear in this ordinary sense is the trepidation our weak humanity feels when it is afraid of suffering something it does not want to happen. We are afraid or made afraid because of a guilty conscience the rights of someone more powerful, an attack from one who is stronger, sickness, encountering a wild beast, suffering evil in any form. This kind of fear is not taught. It happens because we are weak. We do not have to learn what we should fear. Objects of fear bring their own terror with them. But of the fear of the Lord, this is what is written. Come, my children, listen to me. I shall teach you the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord has then to be learned because it can be taught. It does not lie in terror, but in something that can be taught. It does not arise from the fearfulness of our nature. It has to be acquired by obedience to the commandments, by holiness of life, and by knowledge of the truth. For us, The fear of God consists wholly in love, and perfect love of God brings our fear of Him to its perfection. Our love for God is entrusted with its own responsibility to observe His counsels, to obey His laws, to trust His promises. Let us hear what Scripture says. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God and walk in his ways and love him and keep his commandments with your whole heart and your whole soul so that it may be well for you. The ways of the Lord are many, though he himself is the way. When he speaks of himself, he calls himself the way and shows us the reason why he called himself the way. No one can come to the Father except through me. We must ask for these many ways. We must travel along these many ways to find the one that is good. That is, we shall find the one way of eternal life through the guidance of many teachers. These ways are found in the law, in the prophets, in the gospels, in the writings of the apostles, in the different good works by which we fulfill the commandments. Blessed are those who walk in these ways in the fear of the Lord. That reading comes from a treatise on the Psalms by St. Hilary of Portiers. It seems so easy to read it out, right? It's so easy to hear the words of Scripture and to say, yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It seems easy to hear these words that says, yes, it starts with the, the fear of the Lord and, and in seeking wisdom through prayer. It seems perfectly uh, logical and and maybe even a clear path forward. And yet it's so hard to live that out. It's so hard when, the, when we're in the middle of facing a crisis or in the middle of facing a situation that, that really demands our response to stop in our tracks and to start with prayer, to recognize that nothing that we have done so far has equipped us for dealing with the things that we face today. And if I'm honest, even when I look at these situations and say, you know what, this needs prayer, um, I have to confess, I'll start praying, and I'll I want to pray for five minutes and then say, okay, I've prayed, now, now we can do it. And yet there's much more of a search for wisdom that has to take place. It's much more of, of a humbling of ourselves that has to be a part of this. And Uh, This is more uh, like a marathon of prayer than it is a sprint. And so to take ourselves into uh, the the mindset of, hey, I'm in this for the long haul, I need to turn my attention uh, to humbling myself and to searching for wisdom in God. Uh, And I need to recognize that this is not going to be a, a quick process. I need to hunker down and say, okay, here we go. Holy Spirit, I'm here. Here I am. Give me the wisdom and understanding that I need to properly respond in a way that reflects who you are and not in a way where I show through. And so that's something that you and I need individually, but more than anything, you and I need it for our church, for our individual parishes, but also for our church at large. Let's pray together and ask that God would renew his church. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Brandy Carey and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Find us on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.